Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into the Denver Stiff Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night as I am recording on an abnormal day. We will have another Denver Stiff Show tomorrow recapping the Golden State Warriors game. But for now, we have some big news around the NBA. James Harden has been traded. He is now officially a member of the Brooklyn Nets. Actually, I don't know if it's official yet, but we're just, just going to call we're it. Close. It's yeah, we're we're just gonna we're just gonna call it official at this point. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets have acquired James Harden in exchange for a bounty of pieces, pieces going every which way in a four-way trade uh, to help me break everything down. I have brought on a former Mile High Sports, but now a freelance writer covering the Denver Nuggets and host of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. Make sure to check that out. It's TJ McBride, my good friend. TJ, how are you? I'm good, but I'm a little upset with you right now because you entered yourself as NBA Blackburn on Twitter without saying one of Doris Burke's favorite Twitter accounts on Twitter. <laughs> and like all I know is that if you get an opportunity to flex when you can flex like that, you take advantage. So oh that's all God. I got to say. But hey, congratulations to you. I was very happy to see local media getting shouted out in that kind of a manner. <laughs> so congratulations. That was awesome. I wanted to at least say that. Thank you, sir. That was uh, that's very kind of you. It, it was it hit me out of the blue, and and she actually DM me afterwards saying, "Hey, I actually meant to send that as a direct message, but <laughs> I meant everything that I said." So, uh, so oh, Doris, it's, it's it's honestly like if if you're looking for the perfect amount of vindication, like it's it's the perfect storm to have somebody not like like send a very complimentary tweet about you but accidentally like not send the direct message and instead send it publicly. Uh, it was, it was really nice of her. She is a legend of course. And, and I, there's, there's not really much to say. Like when you get a shout out from Doris Burke, like you just got to sit there and take it. Like it's praise. Yeah. It's awesome. And to shout out she, Doris Burke, she has done this multiple times. I'll never forget being in San Diego during training camp with everybody. And we did a podcast one night and I'm, it was a little inebriated as all of us were being a training camp being in California. And we did a podcast prior to that preseason game and Doris Burke came up to all of us that were on it and individually was like, Hey, we listened to your show last night. Thank you guys oh, for wow. doing that. It gave us. So this is what's so awesome about Doris Burke is that it's not just Denver. She does this with every local media and makes sure that she gets the real information on the ground, not just the narratives that surround the team on a national level. So just wanted to shout out Doris Burke because it's really cool to see national reporters go about it that way. She is quite a remarkable person, and really? and it's it's just it it meant the world to me to 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 have her mention me in the same sentence as every any one of her tweets. So yeah. that was really cool. Uh, I genuinely appreciate it. Thank you for bringing that up. I get to brag about myself a little. <laughs> uh, I don't. I really don't do that enough. That's, oh, I'm that's, well aware. I did this I on am purpose. So so self deprecating. <laughs> it's <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, but but I appreciate it just the same. Of course, uh, man. Moving forward, uh, I want to break down this full trade with you. We'll, we'll take this first segment to break down the trade. Well, in the second segment, we will talk about uh, how it affects the Denver Nuggets, and then we'll share some more general Denver Nuggets thoughts, uh, some some major things that that I think the Nuggets are underperforming with, and we'll just we'll just talk about some of those things. But for now, the full terms of the trade as it stands: the Nets received James Harden and James Harden only. The Houston Rockets received Victor Oladipo. If you're wondering why that is, then they got him from the Pacers. Uh, the Rockets received Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum. If you're wondering how they got him, they got <laughs> him from the Cavs. Uh, Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodion's Kuruks, three Brooklyn first-round picks in 2022, 24, and 26, 
one Milwaukee first in 22, four Brooklyn first round swaps in 21, 23, 25, and 27. The Pacers, who gave up Victor Oladipo and a and something no, they only gave up Victor Oladipo. Mm-hmm. Uh, they received Karis Levert and a second round pick. The Cavaliers, who got involved in this, they received Jared Allen from the Nets and Torian Prince from the Nets. Secret winners there, the the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cleveland we just, Cavaliers. We just watched Jared Allen last night. He's he's pretty good. Anybody who's watched Jared Allen for more than a game and a half realizes that this dude has all of the makings of what you want in a defensive center in the modern NBA. He can move his feet. He's real smart, can play a little bit of power forward if you need him to alongside another center, is a ridiculous shot blocker. And to add him to that team, the Sexlin Cavs with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton doing what they're doing, it is a phenomenal fit. And I'm sorry if there is even a remote mention of Andre Drummond starting over Jared Allen in Cleveland, I will riot because this has just been going on for too long. I don't need another situation where Jared Allen is for some reason not starting despite being the better center, but they the Cavs got the best the best part of this deal. And also, Torian Prince is not a throw-in. That dude is a legitimate role player who can play the three and the four for you, who has helped a lot of teams. So, in my opinion, Cleveland's the real quiet winner here. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think it's that quiet, actually. But uh, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. I, I want to bring up Torian Prince in the second segment, believe me. Uh, let's go to the Pacers. They swapped Victor Oladipo for Karis LeVert. Uh, a second round pick that was really interesting uh kind of out of the blue that was probably the most surprising part of this deal uh Karis Levert as kind of a a more permanent replacement for Victor Oladipo do you have any thoughts on that I like it from like, if we take just that portion of the deal of swapping Karis Levert and Victor Oladipo when including a second round pick, I think both teams win that portion of the deal because Victor Oladipo does provide you more upside for the Houston Rockets and the fit is just overall better than Karis Levert for what you're trying to do. So I do like that part of it. And on top of that, you get a cheaper option in Karis Levert who can do a lot of the similar things offensively that you were able to get from Victor Oladipo. So I think he's going to fit really well to Monaco. Sabonis. I like the fit there for sure. I'm also a Karis Levert stand. I'm not one of those people who thinks that uh, he just isn't good. There's like a whole faction of NBA fans who just don't think Karis Levert is very good, and I'm just not of that mind. Um, so for me, that's actually a very intelligent flop, in my opinion, to be able to move a guy out that you weren't going to keep anyway, let Houston figure it out. If Houston doesn't retain him, they are able to shed some money and move on, and then you get Karis Levert on the cheap for Indiana to try and figure out what you're going to do. I like. I really like that portion of the deal i think the pacers are really fascinating man they they now i think they're going to start aaron holiday malcolm brogdon lavert sabonis and turner and then you can bring justin holiday off the bench as kind of your your super sub on the wing so uh when tj warren comes back uh it's going to be next year i'm pretty sure but if when he comes back they're gonna they're they have a really deep team they have some really interesting pieces and they're already good right now so I'm, i'm curious to see how that fits uh, the Rockets, they get Victor Oladipo. I think they're going to probably try and flip him. Let's yeah, be honest. That's what it like, seems like. Yeah, like he he's an expiring contract. Uh, Kevin O'Connor, before we got on here, he basically said that Victor Oladipo doesn't want to be in Houston. He still has eyes for Miami in the 2021 free agency market. We'll see if that still manifests itself, but it would be interesting to, to see given – uh, Oladipo's interests in going there and Miami's current struggles. Uh, I'm, I have my eyes set on that, but they get three Brooklyn first rounders, one Milwaukee first and four Brooklyn pick swaps. Are you concerned about the long-term value for Brooklyn that if that thing goes south, that the Rockets could have just pulled a Danny Ainge here? Potentially, yes, I guess. But at the same time, this isn't a let's trade three very, very much so aging out superstars for all these picks. This is James Harden with 
all of the baggage that exists, he is significantly better than all three of those players were combined at that point when Brooklyn traded for him back when it was the whole separate regime where they're finally climbing out of that. So I'm separating those two events. I'm not looking at them the same because in my opinion, they are dramatically different. With that being said, I don't understand how this is better than the Philly offer, even without Tyrese Maxey. I don't understand that. If you're getting Simmons, Draft Capital, and Matisse Thibel, that makes so much more sense to me in a long-term play than this does. So I actually was very deflated at this portion of the deal. They seem like they went in all for Draft Capital, but when half of them are pick swaps and you have a Nets team who could potentially win a lot of basketball games the next four or five years, what are you really gaining there in terms of real definable talent and the ability to take your next step as an organization? You would get that with Ben Simmons. You already then have a role player that you would have to draft in Matisse Thibel, but now they're going to have to do all of this work themselves. And while some front offices want to, that's a scary proposition when the other side of the coin was Ben Simmons, who is already a first team all defense player and a guy who could be an all-star for many, many years to come. So that part of the deal I thought was not the right decision by Houston. I would have absolutely have taken the more um, solidified offer and something that is a little bit more tangible in Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibel with draft compensation. See, I'm going to go the exact opposite direction for you. I think was a, this was a great deal for the Rockets because if you are trying to rebuild, then what does Ben Simmons offer you? He's going to put you in purgatory for the next couple of years. You'll be a pretty solid playoff team, uh, but are you going to win anything with the current roster as it stands? With John Wall in there, that's an unmovable contract unless you're taking on something even worse, mm-hmm. as we saw with Russell Westbrook. Uh, You did get Christian Wood, but the rest of the roster is either old, uh, broken, or not a long-term fit. So I thought that getting Oladipo, they're probably going to flip him. I think that they're they're going to try to build up their draft capital back. They're going to try to take the long route with this. I think that's personally the right move given the the state of the West right now, given how many great teams there are out there. Christian Wood is fine, but but I'm I think he's he's going to be around if, if three to four years from now if they're if they're still interested. I don't think that Ben Simmons and what they had really fits that well, and that's probably the reason why I think that they dis, they decided ultimately to do the Brooklyn deal. They they need a full reset. They they still have uh, the makings of the Chris Paul iteration of the James Harden teams on that Rockets roster. I think they probably want to move past that. They probably want to move into a different era entirely. And having one foot in the competitive window and one foot in the rebuilding window is is difficult. Uh, two things. One, I don't think that that would be playing both sides. If you're getting Simmons, it is not to fit with this team. It's getting Simmons to rebuild the entire roster around him. That would but be how do, a how move do you for rebuild- the future still. How do you rebuild the entire roster with John Wall there? John Wall is going to be there no matter what. You can't move on from that deal, but Christian Wood is going to be an extremely valuable trade piece. There are going to be many opportunities on that roster to make different decisions. This is the NBA. There is no contract that is untradeable in the NBA. Things shift and change so dramatically within a five-minute stretch of time that looking that far ahead and, and trying to anticipate what someone's value could be when you're starting to really retool this roster, either trade deadline, offseason, or the following trade deadline, so much can change in that time. The second thing I want to say, if you're going to get all that draft capital, you're doing it to get a guy like Ben Simmons. So if you can get Ben Simmons, why don't you just skip the steps and get Ben Simmons? Like, There is a very, very high likelihood that they don't find a single player with every single one of these draft picks that is even remotely comparable to Ben Simmons. And that is something when you're trying to rebuild an organization from all of this turmoil that you have to be able to look at and be like, you know what? That guy is going to give us a foundation and a basis that we can build from. Right now, they have absolutely no direction. They are rudderless and they're going to hope they can find the right draft picks this year, next year, and the next seven years after that. But that is going to be incredibly difficult when the guy that you want to draft or at least a caliber of player you want to draft, it was literally sitting there as one of the trade offers. Yeah, I, I, I totally get it. 
Uh, they did basically get seven first round picks, though. Yeah, but the, they, and the pick swaps though are also a little bit different than that because you're always going to get the worst option at that point. <laughs> like it's just not going to work out in the way that they overall hope so, in my opinion. Maybe uh, pick swaps I, are very volatile. Yeah, and and given that given that there there isn't really an easy route upward, then then you could definitely see it. There wasn't an easy route upward for Boston though, and and they managed to get it done. Uh, just just with adding pieces on the fringe by making the right moves and and suddenly you you find yourself as a as a really interesting team again but it, it's neither here nor there I'm, I'm i'm interested to see how it pans out maybe they do just keep this roster intact going into this and and they just start wall oladipo daniel house christian wood and demarcus cousins together or something like that or you start pj tucker and and, and see how that goes but on to the, the main part of the story. It's it's the Brooklyn Nets, of course. They get James yeah. Harden. They get the bell of the ball. Uh, I am curious to see how this big three works out. Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant. I'm not breaking news here, but that's a lot of usage <laughs> and not a lot of ball to go around with it. Uh, it's probably going to work offensively. I, I don't really have any. I don't really have any questions about that. Uh, can that team defend well enough to win a title? Yes, they can, but is the likelihood very high? I'm not willing to go there. Kevin Durant, as for as incredible, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Kevin Durant has not been an MVP caliber player, but I don't think you can expect him to pick up the defensive pieces that are going to be broken from everybody else being on the floor by himself after an Achilles tear. It's not that he can't do it. You just can't expect that of him. It's within his ability, but still, like you do not want to put that kind of pressure on a guy like Kevin Durant where he's at right now. So I think think it's possible um but at the same time i think that this definitely hurt this trade dramatically hurt their depth and their ability to field a team with defenders on it because right now losing who they lost they are going to be in a very tough spot losing jared allen is going to hurt a lot deandre jordan is nowhere near the defender that he is so when i look at that team now i have serious concerns like if they matched up with a nuggets team like i think that the nuggets would have a much better chance to kang with a team like that than the Clippers or the Lakers in that regard, just because they don't have the ability to slow anybody. And if you make it a shootout, any team in the playoffs for the most part will be able to at least win a few of those games and make things interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be fascinating. I I love Joe Harris as the fit within those three players. He's the perfect offensive fit that you would want from from a guy like that. Uh, DeAndre Jordan has his hands full. Uh, That's that's probably not going to end out well. Uh, I, I have I have thoughts on that, but he must be the crazy. closest and best friend that anybody has ever had. That's all that I can think. <laughs> God, man, My I don't God. get this. <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. But uh, what, whatever, uh, I'm I'm interested to see what this team does sans Kyrie, uh, just because he he hasn't been around, and and part of the reason why they probably did this deal now is because Kyrie has been on his. Uh, the athletic described it as a sabbatical uh, yeah. uh, today. And so I, I don't really know how to describe it. I'll just leave it at that, but he hasn't been around and, and having James Harden and Kevin Durant on the same floor, you could stagger them. You could, you could run offense through both of them. Both of them can play the point. Like it's, it's a, it's a pretty solid fit on paper. Uh, yeah. I, I, I kind of love how it would be with those two. And then you flip Kyrie for something uh, that would you be... and I are very much of the same mind then, because like I feel their floor is highest with just Harden and Durant. It's when you add Kyrie that everything just suddenly becomes chaotic and you have no idea what their floor <laughs> is, what their ceiling is, what their identity is, how it'll work. Like That's the chaotic mixture that you toss and that you have no idea what's going to pan out from there. Kyrie is chaos. That is the, that is the perfect way to describe him. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's good stuff. Let's actually, before, before we go, uh, before we t- head a break, Pick a winner. If you had one winner from this deal. Um, oh, it's Cleveland. It's Cleveland. I think it's Cleveland. Okay. <laughs> Cleveland got significantly better now and long-term. I love how Cleveland came out of this for sure. You've got Sexton. You've got uh, Garland, Garland. You have Isaac Coro. You have, uh, it's not a Avdia. It's a, uh, it's uh Osman. No, it, yeah. Yeah. It's Osman. You're right. uh, You have uh Larry Nance. 
and you have Kevin Love is kind of waiting in the wings, and then you and have now Torian Prince and Jared Allen. Torian Prince and like, Jared Allen. It's, it's they can start roster. Prince with Okoro next to Allen and have all of that perimeter defense and all of that shot blocking on the court while playing Sexland together. Like that's a lot of size. That's a lot of penetration. There's enough shooters on the court, and you can defend everything. Like that's really exciting. I hope Cleveland fans are like legitimately excited right now because they should be. This is going to be the best team that they've been since LeBron left. Love it. It's going to be good. Um, Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this trade from a Nuggets perspective and some of the ramifications. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. Denver Stiff Show. Ryan Blackburn here, joined by TJ McBride, who's been... Very happy to have him on. Uh, he actually wasn't my first call. I, I called Jeff Morton, and, and I love Jeff not being on priority, me. baby. I I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the only literally the only reason was because I saw you were busy. Like that's, that's no, it. I'm just kidding, man. You know it's all love. I'm totally messing with you. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but I I called Jeff uh, or I, I texted Jeff, and and Jeff fell asleep reading a book on in his chair. So. Old man Jeff, we're we're here to make fun of you. We're gonna let that sit for about five seconds. The very little bit of hair that is left on his head is just very scraggly and crazy. He's got like the <laughs> Trey Young look in my head right now. That's what I'm currently picturing. It's great. I, I love Jeff. He's Jeff he's, being 74 years old in real life and on Twitter <laughs> is just so on brand. I don't even know what to say from it. So by the way, Jeff is not 74, but you oh, might man. actually believe me if you just followed him on Twitter. You know, like he has an old spirit. You, you it's definitely an old spirit <laughs> this is the nicest way i've ever heard somebody say that dude is old in terms of what he does <laughs> listen jeff will be the first one to cater to this nobody comes in and starts talking about like 80s and 90s basketball like jeff was, Morton does i was just gonna say lafonso ellis is is that dude's idol and like i, yeah. I get it lafonso ellis should be everybody's idol but it was certainly jeff's back in 1994 you can't only oh. talk about things that happened 30 <laughs> years ago and pretend you're young it just doesn't work that way you can't have both I wasn't born then. I was born in 1993. So yeah, I'm with you on this one. Just made it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's, uh, let's get into this thing. Uh, How the hardened trade affects the Denver nuggets. Uh, First of all, I think this is is the the easiest thing here is that James Harden is now in the Eastern conference Mm -hmm. and a Western conference team got significantly weaker. Uh, is that as simple as as kind of the first main takeaway should be here? Like the, the Nuggets have struggled with James Harden in the past a lot. Absolutely, it should be the takeaway. I mean, how long? I mean, how many times have we talked about the Rockets might be the toughest matchup in basketball for the Nuggets? And like it was always surrounding around the fact that James Harden and a lob threat. And while they don't have Clint Capella, Christian Wood destroyed Denver. And there are still, you know, remnants of seeing why it destroyed Denver. So that's a big deal. Like Denver being able to avoid like a potential 3 6 matchup in the playoffs with Houston is a big deal. So for me, I think that it, it sounds Sounds overly simplified, but it is exactly what it is. Denver does not have to worry about Houston nearly as much, and that's a big deal. They literally made that three-team deal that helped facilitate Clint Capella to the Eastern Conference with one of the priorities being getting rid of Clint Capella out of the West and in the Eastern Conference. So if there's any way to look at this, I would take it from that point of view that Denver literally helped a trade go through to get rid of the Rockets and make them that much worse. And this is 1,000% in that same wheelhouse for me. Would you rather have faced the Harden Rockets or the Chris Paul Phoenix Suns? I would rather play the Harden Rockets than the Chris Paul Phoenix Suns. They've been pretty good. I I still have my concerns. Uh, I think that they like they are very reliant on their wing shooters, mm-hmm. and and if those guys aren't hitting, then it really is hit or miss. Uh, but that's that's kind of like everybody. Let's be honest. Uh, would you rather play the Harden Rockets or the Blazers? Uh, the Blazers. I would still rather play the Blazers. Would you rather play the Harden Rockets or the Jazz? Uh, the Jazz. 
despite them being really yeah. a lot better in a lot of facets this year. I want to make that clear. There's nothing to do with slandering in the Jazz right there. Harden Rockets or the Warriors? I would rather play the Harden Rockets and the Warriors. Steph Curry is Steph Curry, and I'm still not playing with that. I don't care where he's at. I'm not playing with Steph Curry in the playoffs. Yeah, I just I just know that well, no, I know that they're gonna score against Houston anyway. So like it's mm-hmm. it's it's really like who do you trust in the playoffs? And I trust Curry over Harden. In a heartbeat. Um, yeah, like that's it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Um okay, enough of that. Uh with James Harden off the board, are the Nuggets at more or less pressure right now to make a trade? I I don't think it's about more or less pressure. I think the opportunities, though, are much more wide open now because this was the first domino everybody was waiting to fall. How many times in so many different portions of trade season have we seen everything be held up until that first gigantic domino falls to allow the other ones to fall? Now, all of a sudden, if um, Washington wanted to see what was out there for Bradley Beal, they don't need to worry about three teams being caught up in conversations with James Harden. That's a really, really big part of this for me. So... I would not be surprised if all of a sudden Masai Ujiri, if if Toronto keeps struggling, starts to really look to blow it up, and all of a sudden now Denver has new possibilities to entertain a trade. Then all of a sudden maybe Bradley Beal's available. That is the ripple effect that is positively impacting the Nuggets. I don't know if that adds pressure or takes away pressure, but I think it's an important aspect of this whole situation. Yeah, I only bring that up mostly because I James Harden has been tied to the Nuggets by several writers. Uh, the Nuggets have made calls on Harden. They wanted to gauge the interest. They wanted to gauge his avail- like the availability and what the price would be. And the, yeah, when they, they heard when they heard it was Michael Porter Jr., they were like, "Yeah, nah, that's that's okay." Yeah. Well, they they were doing what you have to do as a smart NBA team, which is just check in. Denver had no sure. intention. They were not on the phone today with the Rockets at all. They had no intentions of getting into this sped up conversation with the trade talks. They just did their due diligence, is what I have heard from my reporting. Which should give Nuggets fans should confidence about yeah, how Denver not. feels about their current position. Mm-hmm. That that they're they're not panicking. They weren't making a, a quick fire trade and sending out Michael Porter Jr. plus every draft pick for <laughs> James Harden uh, because that's what it would have cost. When when you mm-hmm. get into the minutia of this thing, uh, you could you could make the the case that Karis Levert plus a first round pick is probably equivalent to Michael Porter Jr. in terms of his value right now. Yeah, right now. It's, it's for somewhere sure. somewhere around there, uh, which in, in that case, then that means that you still have two first round picks and four pick swaps to make up in some way, shape or form, yeah. along with getting to the salary. So and then you, have the, the nuggets, balls to unprotect all of them, which is just yeah. insane to me. Yeah. If you're if you're the nuggets, you're looking at Michael Porter Jr., Gary Harris, Will Barton, two first round picks and four pick swaps. Yeah, that's no what chance. it would have taken to get this deal done. And, and they were going to hang up just Michael Porter being mentioned. So like the yeah. vast gap that was between what actually ended up and where Denver was at was it was they were never going to cross that gap. I think the Nuggets are pretty reasonable about what it would have taken, but they also didn't want to pay the price. That's that's yeah. just that's just how and they, simply, how there's they no feel reason the to like what would Denver really be gaining except for just a ridiculous headache of James Harden immediately wanting out. Well, they're second in offense right now. And they're 25th in defense right now. And you're going to tell me that they're going to give up Harris, Barton, and Porter (laughs) to go get a six foot five shooting guard. And he doesn't really play defense at all. And he's out of shape right now. So like, I, I, I understand why they didn't really feel the need to do it. And so I hope, I hope Nuggets fans can take that with, with some solace that Harden wasn't the right guy to sell out for. It just just wasn't going to be the fits. He wasn't the right person. And he wasn't the right player. And that's it. That's all. That's all it has to be. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there's any more or less pressure for Denver to make this trade either. It really is more of a reflection of how they feel on the inside, like, like what they, what they expect from their group. Again, I have to mention this very frequently. Murray Porter and Jokic have played a combined three games together. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's, it's, it's really tough to, to make wide sweeping judgments about this team and the construct of this team, unless you see those three together, unless you see how it fits. So that's that's kind of the perspective I've taken. I want to see this through uh, as it's from a, a personal interest because I think that they have real talent to be something special. You just got to give it time. Like it wasn't ever going to happen overnight, right? 
Of course not. This was never going to happen overnight, but there's also a reason that everybody was so concerned about the need for Michael Porter Jr. to take a leap this year. So like both things can be true. Um, I, when I was talking on Matt Moore on the now never to be heard podcast from earlier today, um, we were oh. speaking about this though. I uh, dude, I don't care. I talk hoops <laughs> with Matt for hours anyway. It may as well have been a phone call that we had on a Tuesday for no reason. So like whatever, but it's um, Wednesday. I don't do days don't count when a <laughs> pandemic is happening. I'm so far past this i was true. talking to kendra today i thought it was monday like i don't even know what's happening it's, in this it's either world game anymore. day or off day that's, that's what all i know i know yeah. when the nuggets play that is all yeah. that i know i, I totally hear you <laughs> yeah, i live through my totally email calendar you. um but regardless <laughs> of all of that we were talking about michael porter jr today and there is just a reality that there is going to be a minimum 30 games of just having to figure it out where it's not going to be pretty all the time. There's going to be a lot of rough moments and probably losses that you get because you are playing Michael Porter Jr. in spots that he is not yet comfortable because he does not have the reps. So while it's just so tough to be able to win now and be ready for the playoffs without losing now. And that is just kind of the reality the Nuggets are going to have to contend with. So we're going to have to see what happens. I don't even know if Porter will start when he gets back. Who knows where his condition is at? When players get coronavirus, I am just going to let them come in clean slate and expect nothing because it's just you got to have some compassion for what that virus can do to a body. So we don't know where he's going to be when he gets back, but they need everything from Porter and it might take 30 games of rough basketball to get there until Denver can actually be the team that you hope they can be in that regard. Okay. Let's do this now then, because I, I was going to save this for the third segment, but we'll switch a couple things. Uh, you mentioned the rotation when Porter comes back because he will come, he will come back. He's, he's, he's had COVID. I think he's, he's getting, getting through that right now. Hit uh, thoughts, out, thoughts out to him. Hope he's, hope he's feeling okay. Uh, He'll be he'll be back. He'll be he'll be healthy. He'll be ready to go at some point. Uh, when he does come back, do you, do you think that they should start him or should they come? Should they bring him off the bench? Because Michael Michael Malone was very intentional in his post game presser last night when he said that the Nuggets were missing two starters. He said they were missing Gary Harris and they're missing Michael Porter. So. Let me answer this question by asking a question. Does Denver's second-ranked offense and the starting unit's dynamic offense get better or worse with Porter back in the group? Um, Because hmm. I, I think that their defense, or I think that their offense can be even better than it has been. No, could so. be is, is not what I'm talking about. What will it look like if he returns to the starting lineup? Will they be better than they are now, or will they be worse immediately in that first few weeks? Uh, they'll probably be worse in that in that first few weeks, but isn't that a means to an end? Of course it is. But let me ask you this: Will the defense off the if he goes with the bench unit and Will Barton continues to play well, will his defense be so bad that it completely hurts that bench unit, which has finally found their identity through the defensive end of the floor? No, because they're already playing Monte Morris and Faku Campazzo. But they're defending well, and Porter is an abject disaster still on defense, and we both can agree on that. There are so many mistakes that it's going I, to snowball. I think he does snowball, but I don't think he's an abject disaster. I think he goes through these mental hurdles where once he makes one mistake or two mistakes, then the mistakes start pouring in because he gets frustrated with himself. If he stays locked in and if he he can string together a bunch of good possessions on defense at, at the outset, like for example, but we're talking Christmas. consistently here, right? Like we have for to talk about the consistency. Example, Sorry. Yeah, for example, on Christmas, I thought that he defended Kawhi Leonard very well mm -hmm. in the first quarter. And he had a lot of moments like that throughout that, that specific game. And remember, we're working with a four game sample size here. Mm -hmm. I know. For, for that specific game, I thought he played good defense. It wasn't perfect, but it was good. It was a, a much improved nature. He struggled with the Sacramento Kings twice, and then he got torched by James Harden uh, once. And I tend to give him a pass for the Harden one because, sure. like, that's James Harden. Uh, the Kings one is a little bit tougher, and, and you, you – He's, he's got to be smarter and they got to figure it out. But they were also playing on that second unit, some some weird configurations and some weird groups. But I, I, I do agree with you that, that he has to get better. He has been mostly a disaster. I, I don't think he's hopeless. 
Oh, and I agree he's not hopeless, but he's going to make whatever group he plays with worse defensively than they are. Right now, with your Michael Green with that bench unit, they're putting like 102 defensive rating up. Like, they are literally finding a way to lock down and find an identity around it. So the reason that I ask all these questions is, do you want to sink the offensive offense or the starting unit's offensive output or the bench unit's defensive output? Because in my opinion, one of the two are going to take a hit deciding on whether you're going to start Porter or if you're going to bring him off the bench. And that that decision is the one that Michael Malone has to make. It's not going to be, is he ready to start? It's going to be which one makes more sense for us right now to mortgage, to be able to get him ready for when the playoffs get here. And for me, I have no idea what the answer to that question is right now. That is an incredibly difficult question to answer because we just saw Michael Malone start bowl bowl to keep his bench unit together because he knows the importance of having that group be solidified and together. So that is a that's the biggest question for me when it comes to the rotation, and I don't know how to answer that. Yeah, if, if I, I I tend to think that when he does come back, they'll they'll bring him off the bench for twenty minutes. They'll cut Hartenstein from the rotation, and they'll go with Jamichael Green at the five, Porter at the four. Uh, they could do a variety of other things. They could cut uh, Faku from the rotation. They could cut yeah. PJ from the rotation. Uh, they could start Porter and cut Barton from the rotation. Maybe they don't have to make this call if if Gary Harris is still away from the team for mm-hmm. for a significant time. We don't know what's going on with him. Uh, but if if he's away from the team, then they start Porter at the, at the three and Barton at the two. So like there are there are solutions to this problem. Uh, I I tend not to get too tied up with with the actual minutia. It'll just be nice to get a talented player back, and and they're definitely like I know he does bring some questions. I know he does bring some issues. But the dude can flat out hoop and and they have needed that type of player. One thing that Brendan Vogt and I have argued about a lot this season is that my opinion is you have a 19.10 rebound Michael Porter and a 19.10 rebound Michael Porter. One makes you lose a game and one makes you win a game. And everything in the middle is what we're really talking about here. And that's where I still have concerns. That's why I think this conversation is so important because you need to be able to get him to buy in and whatever you can do to get that happening the quickest is the most important thing. So he just can't be empty numbers. He can put up numbers no matter what. He gets the minutes, numbers will happen. just is that helping you or is that hurting you based on how he is getting them that is really all that i look at when it comes to porter at this point because the numbers are going to be there no matter what good stuff let's take another quick break when we come back we're going to bounce around with some other nuggets thoughts including including some trade thoughts we'll be right back All right, we're back. Denver Stiff Show. Ryan Blackburn here, joined with TJ McBride. Final segment. Uh, we, we just spent some time just kind of bouncing around different Nuggets thoughts. Kind of kind of mix up these two segments, and that's perfectly okay. Uh, we've got some, we've got a, a bevy of Nuggets thoughts that are that are coming through right now. Um, okay, I was going to ask you about trades before. I want to ask you about trades now. Are there players or teams that you have your eye on for a potential Nuggets trade target now based off of what you've seen from the Nuggets 11 games in and based off of the blockbuster that just happened? Yeah, so you and I have already talked about this. And again, back to that podcast that will never be heard from with Matt Moore. And I went, I ranted about it today. Pascal Siakam, if things in Toronto or Tampa Bay, whatever the hell is going on, <laughs> um, if things continue to go badly and... Masai Ujiri decides, all right, we're trading Kyle Lowry. He's the guy who's going to get us the most return. He's the guy that most teams want. Lots of teams need lead guards who are good leaders. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. If he makes that decision, everything then gets blown up except for the really, really young players. That is the mindset that I have because that's what Masai has always done. And from what I have heard, Masai has always wanted to fully tear down a team and finally get to rebuild it himself. He's never been able to do that. So, with that in mind, if things continue to go bad, which they're, you know, we're seeing improvement in Toronto, but if Pascal Siakam is ever remotely available, he is one of two players that I would trade right now Michael Porter Jr. for. And that is the name for me that I cannot get out of my head. I don't have an exact trade written out because there's like nine ways you can salary match that. So, I mean, pick your poison. You can go on trade tradembacom and you can play with it, but there are so many ways financially to make that deal work depending on who's coming out and who's going in. But 
in my opinion, he's the idealistic Chris Bosch third star on this team, averaging like 22, nine and five right now for them. He's obviously a three level scorer. He showed that last year. He is a better passer than he's given credit for. He is a multi-positional defender who can defend four positions, five for really small teams. And on top of that, the dude just knows how to play basketball. He has a really high IQ. So in terms of being able to accept a role like a third star alongside of Jamal Murray, along side of Nikola Jokic while raising the floor to levels that Michael Porter Jr. could never dream of this season while still giving you the ultimate ceiling this year that Porter could give you. That's the kind of let's win now trade that I would very much so consider for Michael Porter. It's a really great thought and and it's a, a great opportunity to take advantage of a situation that doesn't feel like it's working in Toronto. Yes. Uh, he's miscast as a first option. I think everybody has seen that based off of the playoffs last year. Uh, you just have a ceiling if he's your primary creator. Yep. But if he is your secondary creator or tertiary creator or your multi-tool who you kind of use in every single facet, then it sort of changes. It's sort of like he, he might have less usage. He might have less overall impact. But within that role, he's going to be one of the most talented players in the NBA. The question is if if the Raptors are willing to give up on that for a player like Porter, or if they're more interested in uh, somebody else who's who's not like like they 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 might be wanting to stick this out with Siakam and, and yeah. see what they could do in 2021 free agency. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. I think that there's there's a very distinct lack of talent in the in the 2021 free agency pool. Maybe they go after Victor Oladipo. Maybe they try to go Van Vliet, Oladipo, Ananobi, Siakam, and insert center here. Like, yeah, I Aaron. I, I'm curious. Yeah, well, it, it it hasn't really worked with Aaron. Baines, I mean, so. I did. I don't want to talk about it. It hurts my soul. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> continue. <laughs> <It's okay>. Uh. <laughs> I think I think there is definitely some some blow it up potential or at least like retooling potential for a team like Toronto where you retool around a younger player in Porter who has a skill set that you need and Anobi's the perfect complement for him because I was just about to say the, a three and the, four the, Porter and Anobi combo is just brilliant. It's great. And then you have Fred Van Vliet who sets him up and, and he he's a great point guard type who could really set the table for a scorer like Porter. So there's a lot to like about it and, and they need a first option and he has the potential to do it. So Siakam, it's an interesting play. Uh, if you're, if you're the nuggets and you're looking for a guy who can defend uh, Luka Doncic, uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Paul mm-hmm. George, Kawhi Leonard, like that, there aren't that many players who check all of those boxes. And uh, Pascal Siakam is as close to Jeremy Grant as you, you can possibly get. And he, he's probably better. He on, is better. The, Even with the, the improvement defense? we've seen, too. I would say yes, in a one-on-one defense and especially in a team construct. I like him as an off-ball defender more so than I like Jeremy Grant as an off-ball defender. You're going to see a lot more weak side rim protection from him than you saw from Jeremy Grant because he was guarding on the perimeter so much and never found a way to get back to the rim when needed. So I do think that he does a lot more. And I think another part of this, too, is anybody that we're willing to trade Porter for in this conversation is not currently available. That's another part of this conversation that I think is important. Yeah, let's go to the other one now. Uh, Bradley yeah, Bradley Beal. Yeah. Uh, he's he's the other guy who, if if you're looking at potential trade targets, you're you're circling the teams that have performed poorly to start, and you're looking at the the all star, all NBA caliber players who are in an underperforming situation. Carl Anthony Towns is one. He obviously doesn't fit with Denver for center purposes. Uh, Pascal Siakam kind of fits the bill. Bradley Beal also fits the bill. Jamal Murray has been a little bit underwhelming to start this year. He's been up and down. I tend to more put it on the fact that he's he's tired and he's coming off of the bubble and, and he's had such a heavy burden. I trust him to uh, turn it up in the playoffs. But in the regular season, it's very possible that he he just is a, a lower tier player than, than a, a permanent all-star, all-NBA type player. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I would much rather have the guy who kicks it up in the playoffs than the guy who performs well in the regular season and then falls off. But uh, the Nuggets need a little bit of both right now. They need to kind of get through the regular season and pick up some wins. And adding Bradley Beal to 
Murray and Jokic, like that's that's how you get some wins right off the bat. If Murray is willing to accept having Bradley Beal there, Bradley Beal's game will help Murray more than he will help Nikola. That is my biggest take here because when mm. we look at what Jamal Murray has been able to thrive alongside, he's always been really good with another ball handler alongside him. And there has never been opportunities for it. It's always been Gary Harris or Torrey Craig or PJ Dozier and like players who you just can't swing the ball to and be able to just fully trust that they're a three-level scorer who can also set up their guys. Having that kind of a player alongside a Jamal Murray who is willingly allowing him to also run some offense would be huge for the ankle issues that always seem to crop up every year. But the fact that he plays so hard and so many minutes, there would just be such a relief of pressure from Jamal Murray to do so much at the point of attack as an initiator and that is a really big deal in this overall conversation for me because if not only adding Bradley Beal's 23 5 and 5 is going to be helpful if he also makes Jamal Murray that much more efficient that much more productive I mean this is just going to get to the point that the Nuggets are just entirely unguardable and there's nothing you can do about it like it doesn't matter what defense you throw out there and on top of that I'm one of the big believers in his defense. I believe in Bradley Beal's defense and I really think that would translate. And I do think that when engaged Jamal is, is has taken major steps forward this year on, on the defensive end. And those guys could switch their, their assignments Mm -hmm. on defense. And and there's definitely some comfortability there. And then you also get two guys like Murray and Beal, who you don't need a lot from your three and four. Once you have those two and Jokic there. So, so they just need guys who can stand on the perimeter, shoot, cut, and then play defense and it's it's hard to find those guys don't get me wrong but but they could they could find specialty type players in order to do that uh if you're if you have confidence that denver can find those players and can do so in short order then i recommend that they do that deal because there there is a there's only so much that you can get for porter while he isn't fully optimized yep and and having him as kind of your your blue chip prospect uh, if he if he continues to struggle, or if the Nuggets continue to struggle to put things together with him on the floor, then an opportunity like this might not show up again. It so, might not show up again after this trade deadline because if things don't go well in the playoffs and he really struggles, this the optics surrounding him are going to shift so abruptly. Yeah, I, I tend not to think that he'll struggle in the playoffs. Like he's a guy who just I, I just it's... I just have I have so much confidence that he's going to average twenty and ten. Like Man, I, you have I, way more confidence than me. Well, I, I don't know how the defense is going to do, but I know he's going <laughs> to average 20 and 10. Like that I do know. <laughs> we'll see if it leads to wins or not, but the numbers are going to look yeah, real nice. So yeah, I, I, I know, but we'll, we'll yeah. see how it goes. Um, okay. Pivoting away from the, the main stars. And I think that both of us would be like, Hey, if you could get Pascal Siakam, if you could get Bradley Beal, like you should be interested. Like that's, yeah. that's where we're at with this. Pivoting away from the main stars, let's circle back to the candidates who were in this trade that were or or kind of close proximity to this trade. PJ Tucker, an mm-hmm. interesting piece that I think would would fit with this Nuggets team, with this Nuggets culture. Yes, and I actually did some digging on this today. Um, it sounds like the Nuggets would have some interest. I'm not saying they do have interest. I want to make that very clear. The price is too high right now for everybody. It sounds like they want a first-round pick and a role player or another positive asset, which would be another second-round pick or two or a first or whatever it may be. So that is just way too much for a 35, 36-year-old small ball center who might be able to play some stand there and shoot three. Like That is just not the kind of value you're looking for so he fits in, i mean pj tucker fits into the trade exception he fits into the role denver wants to find especially for playoff success but right now it does not make sense even if denver does like the player that is pj tucker so that's where and, i look at it he's he's a great piece that if you're making a trade for bradley beal then you go out and get pj tucker yes. for a first round pick like that's yes. that's the kind of player because you don't need him to do a lot you just need him to defend rotate hit open shots things of that nature he would do that and he he's good at it he's done it for years in houston but if if you're trying to just add to what the nuggets currently have it's a little bit different he's a he would at that point be a 15 minute per game guy a 25 minute per game guy i don't really know what his role would be based off of denver's personnel so there's there's a lot of questions there but but he in a vacuum fits in a murray Jokic porter uh kind of system um victor oladipo was just added to the houston rockets roster I suspect that they're going to try and flip him. Is that somebody you would make a run at? 
if it's only for a single first round pick and then salary filler of, of Denver's choosing, then that is something that I would seriously consider anything more than that. I'm not considering it anymore. It's just too volatile. I mean, you have to try and get that level of talent. If it's available, like if you could trade Gary Harris, some extra cash to match the money and then a first round pick that is also protected top five sold. See you soon. Let's get Victor Oladipo to Denver. But anything more than that kind of a deal, you start getting into the, we're mortgaging too much for something that is too volatile. And that's the way that I currently view it. But again, if you could trade Gary Harris in a first round pick and some other stuff to be able to make it work, as Zach Lowe loves to say, his extra stuff. Um, but that stuff. is very much so what I think would make a lot of sense for Denver in a uh, buy low, win now kind of a move. The Nuggets like- just had Jeremy Grant walk out on them. Like, yeah. like they just yeah. had it. So like, I, mean, I, I don't think that they're not wild about acquiring another expiring contract for a first round pick or for whatever it ends up being like they, they have to make sure that it's the right move. Um, I think Denver would be more willing to get a rental if it was to win now because they had an opening as opposed to last year in which they were still trying to become that team and they had hopes to keep Jeremy Grant. So I think the optics entering the situation would be very, very different than when Denver went and got Jeremy Grant. Yeah, I would I would still try to figure out what, what they have in Porter and Murray and Jokic. And like if, if there is some foundation there that you feel is championship caliber, then sure go do it. Like I, yeah. I get it. Then you're, then you're making an upgrade old depot over Gary Harris. Like that is, that's the point. And, yeah. and he's, he's a good defender. Like you could still, you could still sell it. Yeah. And he'll um, be great next to Jokic. Jokic would make him look significantly better than he is currently playing right now. Like he is that type of a player as well. Fringe player who we don't really need to talk about Torian Prince. No, like, we need like, to talk about Torian, man. Oh, oh gosh. No, no, thank you. Uh, he's like, he's like <laughs> six, eight. Uh, he, the Nuggets have a distinct lack of six eight guys, mm-hmm. and I think Torian Prince's biggest skill is that he is six eight. <laughs> I love that take. It's like it's like me talking about Michael Porter Jr.'s tools on defense. Like you're six yeah. eight, you don't play that tall, but you are six eight. Tell, <laughs> dude, dude, tell me I'm wrong. Like, like tell I don't me I'm disagree wrong about with Torian you. <laughs> I do, I do see shades of Jay Crowder coming out of him. Like I do think that he has the potential to grow into that type of a player, which is extremely helpful in the playoffs. A gritty, hardworking six six to six eight forward who can play three or four, who also can hit threes, even if a little bit streaky. That is a helpful player in a playoff setting. So again, I get why he's not like a gigantic needle mover kind of a deal, but like you're entering the playoffs. You need one more wing. Torian Prince is a very nice option. I do agree with that. And and there are some things that Denver needs. And, and I think that they're they're kind of finding out with this roster that there are a lot of pieces that they can't rely on in, mm-hmm. in closing situations. And I think they, they've gone away from Paul Millsap for a good reason. They're trying out P.J. Dozier at the four on occasion. They've limited Jamichael Green's minutes to, to about 20 per game. Uh, there's... I, there are still some major concerns about how Denver is going to finish and and where they're going to put Porter in this in this whole mess too. Like, if you, I think you would rather have Porter defending fours in most situations and Tori and Prince defending threes, uh, for example. No, no, not willing you, to go rather- there. Hundred, I'd be, I'd be willing to take Tori and Prince. Period. As a defender, in almost any circumstance, in terms of just the consistency and what you can rely on. Again, Porter yeah. at his high moments is a much better defender. I just don't know when we can count on those high moments to appear, and I don't think there's any indication as to when they will or when they won't. So I just, I'm, I'm betting on stability there. I would absolutely take Torian Prince right now. One last guy that I have circled that I just can't quit. I can't quit him, man. It's Aaron Gordon. He <laughs> just Aaron won't Gordon let of go of this magic. One. Like I can't, I can't let go. Unless you trade MPJ, you're not getting him. So, there, oh no, 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 no! You're keeping him. You're keeping MPJ. Then you're not getting Aaron Gordon. He's not that good. Exactly. He's not MPJ good. But you're not going to be able to build a deal without MPJ that is enticing enough to be able to get a guy like him. You, you can't throw RJ Hampton or or what? something like that. Why? If you're Orlando, why are you like, oh, you put RJ Hampton in, huh? Like, I don't think that that exists. Like, I don't think that that, like, suddenly the deck is stacked in your favor by including RJ Hampton. And I love RJ Hampton. I was, like, one of the biggest supporters. And this is not RJ Hampton slander. But the dude's played, what, eight minutes of NBA basketball after playing very badly in Australia and getting hurt? Like, there's just not value there yet. So I just don't know how you're going to be able to trade for a near all-star player as the Nuggets right now. Oh, that is that is a take. 
that that is a a take about Aaron Gordon that I was not expecting to hear on this podcast. What near All Star? He's he's in the realm of one leap away. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's averaging fifteen points a night. So he's one leap away. He's like if he gets back to how he was shooting in his first and second year in the league, then he's having different conversations because the defense has finally caught up to it. Like there's a lot that he does. And again, when I say near all star, there's like a hundred players who are near all star who are one leap away in my opinion. It's like a whole gigantic okay, tier of players. So let me that's preface different. that. But those kinds of players who could evolve into all star level players because they are a skill or two away. If you're gonna try and get a player of those kinds of caliber, they're gonna ask for Michael Porter, and when you say no they're going to hang up and that's the biggest issue with those in-betweeners in my opinion man that is so high <laughs> so much to- i i what yeah, kind of deal were you no thinking way. uh i was i was considering either harris or barton as kind of the salary filler rj hampton and a 2021 first or something no i don't like think that's that. any, i don't think that's anywhere near enough for orlando right now man because dude they they are going to start sucking because they just lost Markel Fultz for the year. I don't disagree with you, but I think that there's going to be teams who would be willing to pay more than that for sure. Like it's just yeah. salary filler in a first, like RJ Hampton's a toss in just hoping that they also like RJ Hampton. Like I just don't know where the value is for a guy who can defend three positions, hit threes, block shots, and is all of that athleticism to his, to his potential. So that's just the way I feel about it. I don't know. Free Jonathan Isaac. Like that's, that's gotta be like, you know, I'm with you. on. There that. is no way. Like I, I cannot, I cannot fathom them running back the Gordon Isaac Vucevic combo again. If somebody doesn't actual eight seed again, like, yep. come on, man. Like what, what are you doing here? If somebody doesn't have an intervention in that organization, we're going to have Aaron Gordon at shooting guard next year. And I'm just not okay with this turn of events. So, but yes, that is how I feel about the Aaron Gordon situation. I, I like him, but I, I do don't too. like him. I that like the much. player. Like, like and I don't either. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a little <laughs> yes. steep. Like, yes. It was very yeah. similar to whenever Denver wanted to get involved for any other star players. And they were like, cool, we want Jamal Murray. And Denver was like, we're not giving up Jamal Murray. And then the conversations ended. Like, this is just a difficulty part of having a blue chip recruit. Is everyone going to ask for that blue chip recruit, regardless of the player that they have? Yeah. Aaron Gordon's got two years. Like he's got, he's got this year, then he's got next year. Then he's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. I think he's going to want out of there. Like that's, that's kind of my, my take on it, that that he's going to want out. And then they're probably going to settle for something at the deadline. That makes a lot more sense. Similar to Depot. If that deals on the table that you mentioned, you take it in a heartbeat, like sign me up. We're good to go. The guy fully believe that. So I wanted to say that too. I do like Aaron Gordon. And if you can get him for a first round pick salary filler and a throw in young player, like I'd even be willing to include bull bull in, in in a situation to get a guy like Aaron Gordon. So if that, see, I was, I was told by somebody today, I was told by somebody today that the league views RJ Hampton a lot higher than they do bull bull. Yeah. That's not surprising at all, but I'm just saying, because when you start getting into the toss-ins, it is fully up to the whim of whatever team you're trading for. Who do they yeah. like more between Bull Bull and RJ Hampton? That's all that matters there, in my opinion. That's so that's, that's, that's and, the point that I'm making. And and they did draft Cole Anthony over mm-hmm. RJ Hampton, so there yeah. is something to be said for that. Uh, okay, I don't really have any more, man. Uh, do, Can do I you say have one? Any? Yeah, sure. Justin Holiday. This was a guy I wanted Denver to look at with their mid-level during the free agency period. Justin Holiday is a 6'8", three-point shooter who can defend three positions. It's what you want. It's a 40% three-point shooter. There's nothing more to he's say. Six, six. Is he really? I thought he was 6'8". Yeah, My no, bad. No, he's not 6'8". He's, he's a Holiday brother. They're all like 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". But yes, yeah. the way that he plays basketball is just so advantageous to winning in a productive environment. And I really think he'd be a great guy here. If Denver didn't lose Jeremy Grant and have to pivot so hard to getting Jermichael Green and resigning Paul Millsap, I think that Justin Holiday would have been a great target with the mid-level exception. What about Jarrett Culver? No, I'm not there. I don't know what he does to move the needle. Like, I know he can defend and he's got size, but there's just so like, we just watched Tory Craig in the playoffs. Like, are we really trying to bring another, you know, big bodied guy who can't shoot, who will defend hard, but also isn't that skilled? Like, I'm not there. And he hasn't shown I, much. I think he has some ball skills. I think he's got some playmaking ability. He's too. not like, as good as Evan Turner, who is not in the league right now. Yeah, there is there is something to be said for that. Like he he his comp, in my opinion, was Evan Turner coming yeah. out if he didn't develop a jump shot, and that has not manifested. I was just thinking, like Minnesota, 
they they need a power forward really badly mm-hmm. like like really badly like like they probably might trade Jared Culver for a power forward badly yeah yeah and I, so, I don't disagree with that but I just I don't see what Jared Culver does for the Nuggets I truly don't against Jared Culver it doesn't fit with this group in my opinion yeah I I like big wings they're great no they're I'm great. a sucker for big wings who handle the ball and can't <laughs> shoot like Delon Wright sign me up I love it like this is 100 my type of player. Did you watch that Detroit game today? Yes. Ugh. It was ugly. I, I, I no longer want DeLon Wright. There's no way. I still have a very soft spot in my soul for big guards who can't shoot, and I always will. And I don't know why, but it always exists. Same with PJ Dozier. If it wasn't for the fact that I cover the Nuggets and have to be honest about what I'm watching, I would love PJ Dozier. Like He is 1,000% my type of player, so... He is my type of player, and I'm going to fan over him because on one thing, I, I run a fan blog, and on the other hand, he's a South Carolina guy, and he's done a great job. I think he's he's exactly what the Nuggets need he's and been are going good. to need in the playoffs. They, yeah. They're, they're going to need him. Also, Michael um, Malone and loving South Carolina tryhards is just amazing. Like I love it. <laughs> I just love that that's a thing. It's, uh, it's blue collar, man. That's, that's, <laughs> that's how it goes. Oh, man. What do you expect from Denver on Thursday night against Golden State? I expect them to play basketball, get more reps, and we'll see what actually translates. In my opinion, there Thank are so you. many issues just to play through. Just play oh, basketball. Yeah. Like yeah. that's really where I'm at right now. Like I've I've been saying this on every show I've been going on. Like the first 20 games of this season to me are just extended training camp and preseason. Get your bearings, get the chemistry that you were not able to acquire in the shortest offseason in NBA history, and start to finally put the important pieces around and start to round off the edges. I don't care about anything else. Win as many games as you can, but I don't think standings are going to matter nearly as much this year, considering that we don't even know if fans will be in the arenas for playoffs. Also, the standings are going to be so chaotic. It's going to be more about what matchup you get more than what seeds you have. So honestly, I'm not looking for a win or a loss. I want to see the Nuggets play better basketball. I want to see the defense from the bench continue. I want to see the offense from the starters continue to be good and just play 48 minutes. As long as those things happen, the win or loss to me is irrelevant right now until Denver can finally get into a groove. I'm going to make a bold prediction. Nikola Jokic gets James Wiseman fouled out and he gets Draymond Green ejected. Ejected. What? Yeah. Draymond's too happy right now. He's just like stoked to be back. I don't know if this is necessarily like angry Draymond time yet. <laughs> It'll come. I can see it, We're about it's, a it's, month it's, away. <laughs> he's been playing well. Everything's been going nice. And once you run into Nikola Jokic and he starts going to the line 12 to 14 times, then uh, he, I think. I think there's going to be like, he, he might punch Nicole Jokic tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I, love I think Draymond, man. there, there's something, there's something almost whimsical about that. Uh, <laughs> Steph Curry might go off for 50 tomorrow night. That's my other take. Dude, if they don't have Gary, like, like if they don't have Gary Harris, then that is going to be a big test for Jamal Murray. And Jamal hasn't looked that springy recently. I don't know if he's hurt or what. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have any idea. I don't. But clearly, there is not the same pep in his step that we have seen from Jamal Murray. Whether that's just exhaustion from the bubble or whatever is going on, I have no idea. I don't really care. But that's going to be concerning defending Stephen Curry. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, he tends to get up for big matchups. And yes, and the does. last the latest matchups he's had have been uh, Tyrese Maxey. Uh, Alfred Payton and Bruce Brown. Bet you he takes Tyrese Maxey and Bruce Brown a little more serious next time they play, though. I will yeah, say that much. Yeah, I, I do. Ooh. I do think so. That Bruce is, Brown was so good against Jamal last game, man. I had so much respect for watching him defend him. That was phenomenal. Him forcing them left every time. Like, that was textbook Jamal Murray defense right now against him. That was so good. I like Bruce Brown. That's another guy that you could... Like uh, he's going to be really good for Brooklyn. Like they're they're going to need it, and he's going to play a lot now. Yeah, I was going to say, get ready for your twenty five minutes a night, my guy. You in the rotation now? I kind of like him as the the starter next to next to Harden and Durant. Hmm. I think you need Joe Harris. I don't think you go to Bruce Brown. Oh no, all Kyrie play them in. all together. Kyrie, Kyrie's still oh, well, Kyrie's not here. <laughs> yeah, so like yeah. he's the temporary starter. Kyrie might retire, so maybe you're right. Maybe Bruce Brown is the future starter now at this point. So I, I'm with you on that one. I love it. There's there's no uh, there's no other way they could do it. Here, here's um, a question: Who retires first, Nikola Jokic or Kyrie Irving? Kyrie Irving, uh, no doubt. All right, no doubt. All right, we'll see <laughs> that dude. There's like because well, he's been in his career for longer, and mm-hmm. and he he's an old soul. 
It's it's very clear. He's kind of like Jeff Morton. He's an old soul. <laughs> you did not. <laughs> not i'm just gonna leave the Kyrie jeff morton comparison exactly where it is and have no other comment about it <laughs> uh, I, I hope jeff's hears that and does a double take like what that's, that's not that doesn't make sense no that's not me yeah i'm gonna get a call tomorrow <laughs> i know that's gonna happen oh, I, I, I love jeff all right that's gonna do it for this episode of denver stiff show uh, make sure to follow tj at tj mcbride nba is that correct mm-hmm. i'm going to cool. spot I on just, my I friend I wanted to make sure, uh, make sure to follow his podcast, Blue Wire Podcasts, uh, Rocky Mountain Hoops. It's always a great show. Make sure to check that out and read anything that TJ does. He's freelancing and it, it would mean the world to him if you keep reading his stuff and, and just keep keep supporting the dude. He's a great dude and he's extremely supportive. Uh, shout out to Kendra Andrews for her job with NBC yes. Sports uh, with the Warriors. She gets to go home. Good friend. We were just talking to Kendra. Uh, a few days ago and she's she's incredible um yeah, yeah denver that's, lost that's, a good one with her man shouts to k dot that's that's the homie right there she's great um all right man that's gonna do it i'll talk to you guys very soon have a good one